Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns, and today with me is Pastor Brad Clink. How are you doing, Brad? I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be here, Dave. It is great to be here. Little, uh, little behind the scenes for everyone listening along. Um, you may notice this is coming a little later in the week than we often like. This may be the second time that we are quote unquote recording the podcast. So mm. Brad and I are excited to have this conversation, uh, not only for the first time, but for the second time. And we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I'm excited to talk about uh, Sunday and you, you preached this last Sunday. It was Palm Sunday. You want to give us a little recap of what you were talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. We were talking about this triumphal entry when Jesus enters Jerusalem and declares himself to be uh, the king. And uh, we were looking at it in respect to how he'd taught about the kingdom and how everything was kind of upside down and backwards and unexpected and how the way he comes in and announces himself as king is like that too. Mm. And then we followed up and, and looked at four different groups that were present that day and how they responded to this declaration of Jesus that I am king. We talked about the first response being, uh, you know, he can be my king if he doesn't deviate from my expectations. There was yeah. a subset in Jerusalem who were looking for a military ruler to overthrow Rome and and that was, you know, what they were looking for in a king. We looked at the second response, which is, you know, he could be my king if he doesn't require anything of me. So there was a group of people that were following him uh, throughout the countryside. They've heard his mir- seen his miracles. They've heard him teach. And they're mm. just really curious. But they're keeping it kind of at a shallow level. They want to watch from a distance. Yep. Then the third one we response we saw is kind of from the religious leaders of the day, where they, you know, essentially say he could be my king, but he can't mess with anything. He can't mess with the status quo. He's got to leave everything the same, which you know is an odd thing to say to a king. They weren't really looking for a king; they were looking for somebody to follow them, and to to be the king. Yeah. Then we looked at this fourth group, which was a, an interesting group of. Um, of the women that, that would have followed him around for the majority of his three years that we mm. see at the cross, that we see uh, on Sunday morning. And uh, this, this group of committed disciples who say, you know, respond to him, he can be my king, you know, even if I don't understand, or even if it costs me something, or even if it threatens my comfort. And, uh, and we looked at those three resp- four responses, and we asked ourselves, you know, where do we sort of sit in that, and how mm. are we going to respond to Jesus uh, declaring that he is king? Yeah, and, and I think um, the last one is really the only right response to Jesus being king, right? It's uh, The other ones are kind of saying, yeah, I want the benefits of the king, but without any of the reality of living under the king, which is not actually calling Jesus king. Right. Um, now, you, you made the interesting point on Sunday that the people who uh, had that fourth response, at least initially, was this small group of women. Um, why do you think that was, and what, what's the significance of that? Yeah, that's interesting. They, they they kind of pop up throughout the life of Jesus, ministry of Jesus, and uh, we see them kind of in the background a little bit. I think it's it's part of this upside down kingdom, this unexpected kingdom that uh, you know women in that culture, day and age, were were marginalized. They were a little bit on the fringes, uh, and so to, for for Jesus to to uh, have this group of women followers and for them to play a role in, in uh, such a prominent role at the crucifixion and mm-hmm. and uh, on Sunday morning on Easter Sunday. Um, I think it's Jesus' way of saying, hey, everybody is included in my kingdom, and it may be upside down according to cultural norms, but this is normal for me. I'm not going to marginalize people, whether it be those who were you know, lepers or, or uh, uh, those who were injured or those who were, had mental health issues or those who yeah. were women or any sort of the subset of people that might have been marginalized in that day. Yeah, it's interesting to me that um, as you talk about these four groups, the first three groups of people— um, felt like they had the most to lose in some ways. And the last group of people had, these these women had kind of embraced that, like, 
There's nothing to lose here. Uh, it's all gain. Um, and I wonder, can you just reflect a little bit with me? Uh, I, I think we live in a part of the world and in a time where we actually have a lot to lose. We tend to be fairly wealthy, fairly comfortable, fairly in control. Um, and I, I feel like it's pretty easy for us to be like, yep, yeah, Jesus, we'll just add Jesus on top, on top of my like nice house and my nice vacations when we can take vacations, which is not now. Uh, and just the kind of life that I want and this, you know, all these ideas will we'll kind of add Jesus on. Um, and you know, as long as it doesn't cost us too much, how do we, how do we wrestle with that? How do we, how do we deal with some of these big things that, that maybe Jesus is calling us to, to step away from? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And that's sort of one of the, one of the downsides, quote unquote, of living in sort of affluent Western culture is mm. the things that, that drive a lot of people towards Jesus, that drive people towards trusting in him that, you know, um, aren't, aren't, the same things that need to drive us because we typically have food to eat or, uh, you know, jobs or, or social safety net in our, in our culture. And we're so blessed for all those things. Yeah. Uh, and yet, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's the reason why the, 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 in part, the church in the Western world is, is not, uh, growing the same way you see it in, in China or in other mm. places where it's, uh, it's tougher to be a, a follower of Jesus. Uh, so it's a it's an interesting thing to continually wrestle with is how is my affluence or my uh, blessing and living in this place in the world how does that lead to apathy in my mm-hmm. life or 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 cause me to engage to a lesser degree than people who did, don't have that blessing? Yeah, it's uh, it's really tough, and it's a tough like it's a question I. On one hand, I know I need to ask myself. On the other hand, it's a really easy question for me to brush off and be like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll deal with that yeah. later. Or I won't deal with that at all, right? Like it's, um, and Jesus's claim on kingship and kingship in our lives kind of calls us to actually wrestle with that. It's fascinating. I've been reading, uh, I'm reading through the Old Testament right now, reading Bible in a year, but reading about Israel's first king, Saul, and, and then David, um, and kind of the like, the, the people of God were like, we want a king. And God's like, I am your king. I don't think you want a king. I don't think you know what a king will cost you. Um, and then they're like, well, no, it's okay. We, we, we see the benefits. We just want the benefits. And then you continue reading the story. And I haven't got there yet. But like, it doesn't work out <laughs> terribly well for the <laughs> yeah. Israelites in wanting a human king. But I mean, the interesting thing is that it costs us to have God as king too, right? Like, and I think we often act like the Israelites in that. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we want a, we want a mighty leader and someone who will like, we can go in, we're on their team and they'll champion us and we'll get all the benefits of living in this wonderful kingdom. But like, what about the cost? What about the, I mean, not that following God is about taxes, but like that was one of the things for the Israelites. They were like, well, yeah, you know, maybe not. So that's, it's a fascinating and, and difficult thing to wrestle with. So, so let me ask you, as you were prepping this sermon this week, um, I, the two, two things here. One, let's start here. The, I know that for you, this was a bit of a process and uh, maybe a different process than normal, maybe, maybe not, but, but kind of God led you in some unique ways. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, often when I'm uh, preaching on a Sunday, I'll take a day uh, away from the office to start my sort of studying and reflecting and praying. And uh, so I did that on Wednesday and uh, I did that all day Wednesday and mm. things just weren't coming together in my mind. They weren't, you know, aligning. I was really having trouble seeing, you know, what 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 God was calling me to say through this passage that, that I was uh, preaching on. And so I, I went to Alpha that night on Wednesday night and uh, after Alpha, I was talking to some of the uh, the, the volunteers um, uh, afterwards, and 
and I was uh, expressing that things uh, hadn't gone too well to the Alpha prayer team leader, and uh, and uh, she said that she'd been praying for me, you know, for a week or two about uh, this message, and and uh, that she said I, I can't I can't shake in my mind, I can't even really put it into words, but there's something about like uh, evangelism or outreach or or a seeker or something, and and she she struggled to put the words together, but what what I received is is Oh, maybe there's a, an opportunity through this passage to to call people to um, action, to respond to mm. this king. And uh, it was through that that kind of got connected in my mind to the uh, parable of the sower that we talked a little bit about um, yeah. as well on, on Sunday. And so it's always incredible when uh, when I get to experience uh, the spirit moving within me and with others around me. Uh, um, in preparation for a message or in life in general. And so, mm-hmm. you know, praise God, I saw him at work and uh, he led me that direction. And, and uh, that's sort of the, the process that led to Sunday's message. Yeah, and I, I know uh, from experience a little bit, uh, preaching is both this act of um, kind of wrestling with the word of God and what it means for our community, right? You, you get to be the mouthpiece of God for our community in this time, which is a big responsibility. But it's also something that obviously, like, God will speak to those of us who preach when we're preaching, um, often in really, really strong ways through this passage and through being able to wrestle through it. So I'm, I'm curious, as you, uh, you know, as, as you offered this challenge to us, um, what is it that God was saying to you? And you don't have to go into too many details or too many personal, but like, what, what kind of things was God stirring up in your own heart and mind? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and you're right, when, when you uh, spend time in God's Word and allow the spirit to kind of poke and prod around he he does and that happens during preparing messages yeah. and uh for me um this was around risk this was around um am i willing to submit the king by risking by doing some things that i would um not be able to rationally think this is the <laughs> the best way the only way but something i think mm. he's calling me to and and so you know, part of submitting to the king is being able to risk in obedience to the king, uh, even um, if you if you uh, can't make rational sense of what he's asking you to do. And so, um, yeah, to to me that that was sort of the personal call through this message was yeah. a compelling call to uh, to risk more and be obedient and leave the results of that with him. And and it's amazing that. I shouldn't have to learn this lesson as often as I do because it's like relearning the same thing over and over. But you, you take yeah. this little step of faith, and God, every, every time God shows Himself faithful and He shows up, and it it should be getting continually easier to take those little steps, or you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still something kind of in the ongoing journey. You have to have to continually relearn to be faithful, take risk. Oh, it's one of the funny things again about church and and hearing sermons. If you've been around for a while, you've probably heard some of the same things over and over. Um, and maybe maybe you come to church looking for new content and new ideas, uh, and and I think part of us being human and part of part of the reason why God has made church and made us to worship together like this and experience Him, encounter Him on a weekly basis is that we actually just need simple reminders, um, right? I mean, you gave a, a gospel call on Sunday, kind of uh, in the sense that you you laid out what what it means that that Jesus came and, and what it means for us and to make that decision. And if you've been around for the church for a while, again, you would say, well, I've heard this. It's not for me. It's for someone else. Uh, and yet I think we all need that. Mm-hmm. And we all need that reminder all the time. And 
um, some of these really simple ideas that that we may we may know, we may be able to recite, we may be able to point to them in scripture even and say, yes, this is something I want to do. We're not very good at doing them <laughs> yeah. often. Um, I think risking is one of those things. Uh, we're we're pretty we're pretty comfortable, uh, and it's hard to it's hard to be willing to kind of take those steps and to learn and to even um, feel that prompting and be in tune with the spirit enough to feel that. So I, I appreciate the reminder. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I know one thing that I was reflecting on as I prepared this message is like, you know, we kind of define these four ways to respond. Mm. Uh, but the reality is, is none of us fit solely in, in one bucket. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, there's times in my life where, yeah, I don't want Jesus to mess with the status quo, and I choose myself over what he's calling me to, just like the Pharisees mm-hmm. might have, right? And there's times when, yeah, I'd prefer to stand back and watch from a distance and uh, be a spectator instead of engage because it's safer. And, uh, you know, there's times in, in my life I'd say, you know, I kind of want Jesus to do this or be this way or align to my will in this way, and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of back off if he doesn't do what I think he should do. And, yeah. um, you know, there's a little piece of us that I think, spends time in each one of these camps at different times in our life. And that was, you know, an important reflection for me. And hopefully on Sunday, you know, people didn't try to necessarily put themselves in the one of the four buckets, but realize that, uh, you know, at different times we're in, we're in each of them and we need to <laughs> kneel and submit and risk for the king. Yeah. And there's, uh, like I would say, there's definitely different, uh, not, even, not even times in our lives where we fall into each of them, but there's different areas of our lives that at any mm. given moment can be in any of these four categories. Um, so if you heard this sermon and thought, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm in number four. Okay, I'm going to walk away now, right? You missed something. Um, yeah, yeah. Go back and watch the YouTube yeah. <laughs> service again. Yeah, yeah, you missed something. Yeah. Uh, God, and ask God to reveal where are the areas that uh, that maybe I'm being, uh, holding on to the status quo. Maybe I, I want you to fit my mold. Um, I don't want it to cost me anything. Because um, I think, yeah, following Jesus is, like we have this tension of uh, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Um, and it is good, but it's also deeply costly and can feel really foreign. Uh, we're going through these uh, these moments this week in Holy Week. Um, yeah. Paul did the first one, and then and then Chris was yesterday talking about money, which gets a little more uncomfortable. And then I mean, we, we what flipping tables in the religious leaders and being like children, and then money, uh, and then today this this uncomfortable act of worship, this drink offering, where Kristen challenged us all to take one of our favorite drinks and actually like, you know, pour it out, which spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, if you haven't watched it yet, you should go watch it. Um, but there's, there's something, there's something about worship being costly and there's something like even I bet most of us, as we watch that video, we're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So where's the, like, can I just get a glass of water and do this? Or like, I'll watch someone else do it. It's fine. Or, or, you know, okay, what's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really like that sparkling water in the fridge. I'll dump that out. Right. As opposed to something that costs us. Um, and this reminder that worship, uh, that following the King costs us something and that it's worth it and that it's good. Um, it's hard to get that through our heads. I think it's really hard for us to to embrace risks. What kind of, like in your own life, Brad, I, I know you've got some pretty cool stories about um, God leading you and taking what felt like risks and God showing up in big ways. How do we start taking risks? How do we start practicing? Or is it just like, just do it. Like, don't make excuses, just go. What, what, would, you, what would you tell someone? Yeah, yeah, I mean... First of all, I'd say we're not, we're not designed to be, you know, islands in and of ourselves. So mm. to be in community is a great place to be so you can 
So you can risk, risk with the support base. I'm in a small group on Tuesdays and we challenge each other. What, 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 from what we've read in scripture this week, are we going to do about it next week? And then we have somebody ask us. And so uh, taking the risk is easier when there's some accountability and accountability that loves you and has the best in in mind for you. Um, I think too, there's a subset of, in the Christian world, we can we can spend all our time. Uh, we can err on two sides of the spectrum. We can spend all our time trying to discern and you know uh, define that you know I'm a hundred percent certain that this is the direction I want to go. Mm. And uh, sometimes we can get stuck there. And mm. I I decided a while ago I want to be the guy who jumps at about seventy five percent. Like I would far prefer to err um, by jumping wrongly <laughs> than yep. never to jump at all. Yep. And uh, so I would encourage people to kind of, you know, be 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 willing to risk in obedience even if there isn't a hundred hundred percent certainty and trust that God'll pull you back or close the door or uh, yep. direct you in another direction. I um yeah. I, I uh I mean this to me um this was a wrestle I had when I was younger a lot. What's the will of God? How do I find the will of God? What do I do? Uh, and I was reminded that that, you know, it's not God's will isn't necessarily one perfect path that if I take a wrong step, I'll never get back to it, right? I mean, if you're, if you're out hiking and you don't know where to go, um, you don't, like, you, you, yes, you stop and you get your bearing and you try to figure it out and you take your best guess. But then you go down that road a little bit and you, you look around again and you say, am I, am I heading in the right direction or is something wrong? And if you're heading in the right direction, great. If you're not, well, you figure it out, right? You, you're not going to get where you want to go if you just stop. Um, and that's, I think a lot of us are kind of like, oh God, what are you, what are you going to do? I'll just kind of wait it out and, and you'll have to like hit me over the head with something to get me going. And I, I love that. Like be ready to go, not at a hundred percent, but like well before 75, I mean, maybe yeah, 50 yeah, or 30 yeah, I, or I what, you know. yeah, the numbers are up. Yeah. But, but the idea that like when it's still uncomfortable, when you don't have all the answers, it's worth going. Um, reminds me, I, I I've told this story before in, in a sermon, but, uh, when we, when I left Lethbridge, I was working in a church and we had two young kids and felt like God was calling me to do more studies, um, which is a, a hard thing to do as a, as a pastor midlife, because it's not like, man, this is really going to advance my career and pay for itself. Like that's not going to happen. Um, so I, but I felt called to do it. So I like quit my job and <laughs> we decided to sell our house and we were like, okay, God, well, I guess I'm going to spend a whole bunch of money going to school and living in one of the most expensive cities in the world in Vancouver. Uh, I'm going to trust you to provide some kind of housing. And even if we go into crushing debt, I guess that's your way. I don't know. Uh, And God showed up and provided for us this like ridiculous, beautiful, amazing property that um, we've been going through pictures and looking through pictures and, and the memories our kids made and the memories we made are just, they're silly how, how like, idyllic and unimaginably um providential they were in our lives uh and like that was god's hand arranging it all and arranging it all through like through a random connection who is basically a stranger and uh, through a family that had said uh, when we met them you know we've been praying about a way to use this to bless someone and we think you guys might be it and just to see god's hand like in their lives and in our lives kind of bringing it together um but we never would have we never would have known that if I'd waited to figure it out first, um, yeah. which is funny because like conventional wisdom would say like obviously if you're gonna if you're gonna quit your job and move your family across the country figure out what like make a plan first um, yeah and we kind of did but we kind of didn't uh, and and yet God was there very much in that. 
Yeah, I'm reminded of the story in the Old Testament, the Israelites, you know, looking to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land, mm. and, and uh, God doesn't say to them, okay, I'll stop the water, just step in the water. He says, put your feet in the water. Yeah. And then the, the, the rivers stop flowing, and they cross into the Promised Land, and it's that... Uh, yeah, that reminder that sometimes he calls us to to risk and trust first, and then we get to see these incredible stories like you've shared. And I know yeah. I have stories like that. And, and one of the beauties about being a part of community is we can share those stories mm-hmm. with each other, and we can praise God for the way he's shown himself faithful in different ways in different people's lives and, and, and you know encourage and inspire each other to to continue on that path of obedience and faithfulness and trust that he's he's got it. Yeah. And this, I mean, this gets at one of our values we've been talking about a little bit, engagement over apathy, right? Um, and I think, I think apathy is something we struggle with. I think that's um, having, even having lived in a couple of different places across Canada, um, apathy is an Ontario thing. It's more prevalent here than it is elsewhere. Uh, and it's kind of a suburban thing. It's more prevalent in the, the burbs than it is in the big cities or, or even the small towns to some extent. And, and I mean, it sounds like I'm being... Uh, I'm accusing people of something and I'm, I'm accusing, I think myself of it of any, as much as anything, there's something about this, the way that we live that kind of um, makes it easier to choose apathy. Uh, but, but I'm curious, Brad, I know we've, we've had these conversations. Can you paint a little picture for me of what you think our church would look like in five years if we learned how to lean in and risk and say that Jesus is King, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's costly? Yeah, I mean, I think we'd be sharing these incredible stories of uh, God showing up and being faithful in these unexpected ways because people took risks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'd we'd see people inviting people into their home. You know, once we can do that again, mm-hmm. you know, that are that are different than they are, that are different socioeconomically or culturally or age wise or whatever, and and we we we'd be uh, hearing stories of people coming to to faith and recognizing this Jesus as King. Mm. Uh, my small group was looking at Romans 10 this past uh, week and, you know, it talks about how if you, you know, confessing with your mouth and, and believing in your heart that Jesus is, is Lord. And, um, and, and, you know, we ha- paints this picture of this incredible, you know, coming to, to recognizing Jesus as King. And, and that's awesome. But the right after that is, you know, but how will people know if somebody doesn't tell them? And how will somebody mm. tell them if they aren't, if they don't go? And how how do how will they go if they're not sent? And and there's that there's that record scratch kind of yeah. You know, if we if we want to see our 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 culture and communities and families and spheres of influence come to know this incredible King and all the incredible blessings it is to to serve and submit to Him, then then there's there's a piece where we we need to go and be and risk and mm-hmm. be a part of you know sharing that good news um, yeah so i i think i think it'd be an incredible picture of uh you know of hospitality of of inviting of um sharing god stories prayer would be uh you know so significant recognizing that yeah. that you know that's the fuel um you know the, the spirit is the fuel to 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 these stories and to see god at work and stuff and um, yeah, I long to see uh, more and more of that come come true in the in the weeks, months, years ahead. Yeah. Well, we're we're out of time for today, but I just want to say, if you, as you have been listening today, um, have felt any kind of prompt and you don't know what to do with it, reach out. Uh, if you don't already have that community, or if you just kind of want to process some of this, if you want to. Um, you want help discerning through this what God might be calling you to, we would love to be part of that journey with you. We would love to be able to 
um, connect with you and to see what God is calling each of us to, to risk and uh, to, to place him in position as king in our lives. So thanks for the conversation again today, Brad, and thank you all for listening along. Uh, we'll see you next week here on Postscript. Postscript.